we're number one. We'll hold the line. We won't step back. We'll just attack time after time. We're lightning fast. We'll drive like rain. We won't be beat. We won't retreat. Ice in our veins. We are the storm from Melbourne town. We'll blow the others off the ground. We are the storm and we're number one. We are the Storm and we're number one. Welcome to Stormcast, the official Melbourne Storm podcast, episode 31. As always, a quick shout out uh, to those of you who are supporting the podcast by downloading and subscribing to the Stormcast with Gobs podcast, the one and only Melbourne Storm podcast. Stormcast is your one-stop shop for discussing all things Melbourne Storm. Um... Stormcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify platforms. As always, I'm your host, Gobbs, and I'll be bringing you the latest news, views, and storm content over the 2023 season. Now, let's get on with the podcast, shall we? The man they call the brick, Will Warbrick, sealing victory for the Melbourne Storm, 18-13, in the major semi-final over the Sydney Roosters last Friday night at Amy Park to see the Storm progress to their eighth prelim final in nine years. Remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Uh, and in the manner and the fashion of which they did it, um, even even better, even better. Um, the game itself um, probably wasn't where you would say uh, both both teams were at full strength. Uh, obviously, both sides were decimated with injuries. Um, the Roosters kept their spine intact, uh, but their outside backs were shot from uh, a few injury concerns that they picked up uh, against the Sharks in Week 1. Uh, and the Storm likewise, obviously, with Ryan Pappenhausen um, uh, with that horrible knee injury, uh, knee injury, ankle injury, I should say, but we got some good news on that frontier, uh, which is good. Um, however, losing that X factor really, really hurt the Storm, uh, as well as Jerome Hughes not being able to play due to a calf strain uh, or calf issue. Um, so that severely hurt the storm in that regard. Um, and obviously Xavier Coates, State of Origin, uh, and PNG Kummel's winger as well. So Storm were without three um, crucial elements to their, their attack. Um, so it it really came down to the walking wounded and who was going to, I suppose, have that um, ascendancy um, throughout throughout the 80 minutes Um and thankfully, the the storm came away. The storm came away with victory, which is which is fantastic. I think the storm started really well. Uh, there was a period there where starting Nelson or Sofa Solomona really helped. Um, but again, it, it's it's a situation 
it's a situation that the Storm are finding themselves now that momentum changes when Nelson starts the game and then goes off, which then invites the opposition straight back into it, or the Storm get a momentum shift when Nelson comes off the bench. Now, there's there's a problem. There's a problem with both of those situations. And it's glaringly obvious is that the Storm pack are not standing up, be it through they just aren't physical enough, they're not aggressive enough, they're not big enough compared to the opposition that they're coming up against. And that, that that's a... That's a recruitment um, and player development issue that the Storm really have to address going forward. And we saw it in 2014-2015 where there was a period there where the inconsistency was was coming through the fact that um, the Storm were just getting manhandled by opposition teams. Um, And a lot of... of I suppose the reliance on Jesse Bromwich to sort of bend the line and, and get post-contact metres and generate quick ruck speed through a quick play the ball and um, there wasn't any other player that sort of came through with that second prop carry to, to keep that momentum going. And again, I know Cameron Smith has spoken about it that he actually went and spoke to the coaching staff and said, we need to be bigger. We need some more size. And from 2016 to virtually 2021, you look at the players that the Storm had. So they had Jesse Bromwich, uh, Jordan McLean, Nelson Osofa Solomona come through. Uh, you had Tim Glasby there, Tino Fa'asul Malawi, Dale Fanukan. So you had big bodies with good leg speed, and it didn't matter if you took two players off, two middles off, through an interchange and put two other middles on, they weren't, the Storm weren't losing that momentum through the middle middle third, whilst now is that if Nelson starts and then after 20, 25 minutes he goes back to the bench, the Storm lose that punch through the middle and it almost surrenders um, field position, uh, ascendancy in and around the ruck, um, and that that's a that's a big concern. And so that that's an area, that's an area, and I could do it in a completely different podcast on that, and I I may end up doing that, highlighting um, areas of weakness, areas of concern, areas of improvement. In, in order to, I suppose, get to a place where the Storm were previously, where they had that 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 sort of pack um, that would just dominate. Because at the moment, it's all on Nelson's back. And that's unfair on him. Whilst, obviously, he'd, he'd enjoyed the challenge of, 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 of being the, the enforcer and the alpha male and, and, and the forward leader. Um it it it's it's not an individual sport. It's a team game, um, and he needs help. He needs help, and that was obvious the other night as well. 
But as they say, you make your own you make your own luck, and that's exa- exactly what they did. A little bit of controversy in and around the game. Obviously, it's been spoken about um, all week in terms of the Harry Grant knock on uh, right in front of referee Ashley Klein, who unfortunately has been demoted because of not only that decision but another decision that went against the Storm um, just before the Will Warbrick try, which was when Harry Grant got um, hit high um, by Roosters halfback Sam Walker, which every other game this year has resulted in a penalty, which would have put the Storm in prime position to kick a penalty goal, which would have seen the Storm goal by one with less than a minute to go on the clock. So instead of winning by one, Storm ended up winning by five through to a pinpoint kick from Cameron Munster um, to see a flying war brick, which would have made a lot of AFL players proud, actually, how high he got up and the mark, the specky that he took. Uh, but he still had a lot of work to do. He still had a lot of work to do to get to get on the to get back on uh, the ground and then try and find the try and find the line. Um, you know, he he wasn't exactly right on the try line. He had to he had to reach out and, and score, and and thankfully he did. Um, but yeah, what what a game! What a game! Great game of football. Tensions were were high. Um, but uh, speaking to a few uh, friends that were there, shout out to you, Barbara Sinclair. Uh, she said the noise was just deafening, um, which was awesome, considering that um, it was just a, what, a tad under 20,000 people contending with 94,000 um, Aussie Rules fans at the MCG next door. Um, yeah, it was it was a great great effort to um, to have that that crowd there that they did. So because as we know, a lot of AFL fans are also Melbourne Storm. Fans and members. However, AFL obviously precedes uh, uh, the NRL. So when the uh, AFL team that um, Melbourne Storm member um, is playing and is a part of, they're obviously always going to opt for the AFL first and foremost. Unfortunately, it was just a scheduling clash that they couldn't avoid. Um, due to the seven-day turnaround uh, and ensuring that the Warriors would have a seven-day turnaround as well, hence why the Storm had to play on the Friday night. Um, unfortunate, but a good, again, just a, a tad under 20,000. Um, and the Roosters don't have a lot of travelling support either. Um, they've got some some really passionate um, fans that do travel. Uh, Alan Katzman is 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 one who's the Roosters historian. Um, he goes everywhere. He's uh, actually going to Vegas. Um, just lives and breathes everything eastern suburbs Roosters. Uh, but uh, if it was a game uh, such as the Warriors, for example, who, as we know, there are a lot of New Zealand uh, Kiwi expats that live in Melbourne, you can bet bottom dollar that the crowd would have been close to capacity. Uh, regardless of the the ninety four thousand at the MCG next door, but um, again, alas, good crowd, good effort, um, and well done to every fan and member that turned up to the game because you were rewarded with a great, great result. Um, the completion rate on the night again, I thought both both teams completed very, very well. 
Um, the Storm were right, bang on 80%, uh, 32 from 40 sets. Uh, the Roosters not too far off at 75, 31 from 41. So there was a lot of ball in play, a lot of ball in play, and that's where the fatigue was starting to obviously come in, come in as well. Um, and you could start to see that. Uh, and that that's, I suppose, this is, this is the problem that the Storm are facing as well, is that when fatigue sets in, that's when you still need to be trying to maintain your momentum through the middle third, and it's all on the back of, of, of Nelson. So that's an area that, that needs to be addressed, and it needs to be addressed. I'm sure it has been addressed by the Brains Trust because there's no bigger challenge this week than coming up against the James Fisher-Harris, Moses Leota, uh, Isaiah Yeo, Spencer Linu, Lindsay uh, Smith, um, all big bodies that just continue just to roll through the middle third over 80 minutes. So you, the luxury of being able to take two big men off and put two bigger men on, they don't lose that ascendancy through the ruck, which is the problem with the Storm at the moment, is that when Nelson goes off and when Tui Kamikamita goes off, you're putting on sort of workers, toilers, that aren't, haven't got good leg speed, don't have uh, late footwork at the line, um, and can be manhandled very, very quickly. We saw that with the way the Broncos just completely bashed uh, the Storm in week one of the finals. Um, and, yeah, it, it's it's one, you can bet your bottom dollar the Panthers are just going to come out and tr- try and do exactly what the Broncos did. Um, so it... it it's going to be a challenge, and I'll talk about that when we get to Teamless Tuesday, but um, here's what Craig Bellamy had to say after the game. you think, Craig, of the way they did it tonight? Um, yeah, I never thought I'd get that question, but, um, yeah, I think we made real hard work of it, to be quite honest. Although they all, I thought that, you know, our ability to hang in there, and, you know, it felt like the first 20 or 30 minutes we were on top, but we couldn't quite... You know, we were six nil, but we couldn't sort of, you know, squeeze that extra points. And then, you know, we, we scored. And um, but after that, I thought, you know, we were sort of chasing our tails for a fair bit of it. You know, the, that ten minutes before half time when we just defended our try line. You know, I, I was hoping that it wasn't going to gas us too much, but I, I think it did. To be quite honest, it was it was a, you know, and we done a really good job there. You know, until the end when Brandon sort of barged over from, from dummy half but um, you know so that was a tough period of play for us but yeah well, again I think some of our options at times were poor and I think you know I think their kicking game was much superior to ours so that's something we'll need to have a look at for next week. How proud are you of the response though from the team given how things unfolded in Brisbane last week? Yeah obviously uh, you know really proud of you know how, how we stuck in there like I say it wasn't pretty uh, without a doubt but um, you know, we needed to come back with a display like that after last week. You know, we we're all really disappointed in in uh, how we performed last week. And again, you know, we're not, it's just not the players. It's, you know, obviously you know, we helped prepare. So, you know, there's some things probably we didn't do so well either. So, um, yeah, but just, you know, really, really impressed with how, how the club fought back after, you know, all being disappointed last week. And, um, yeah, so we lived to fight another day. Live to fight another day, indeed, and that—that's—that's that's probably one thing that um, would would have made Belly very, very happy, is that the effort was there, 
and they didn't give up. They gave themselves an opportunity to still be in the game, even when the Roosters took the lead with seven minutes to go with a field goal. Um, they could have easily just dropped their heads, but again, they didn't. Um, even before the field goal, they were still there fighting, punching, scrambling well defensively. Um, they're, the, they're those one percenters that coaches look for that are they tying in in defence? Are they are they shifting and scrambling well when, when there is a line break or a bit of broken field running? Um, the ability to get back, the ability to uh, on kick chase, um, those those things were there for the entire 80 minutes. So attitude was great uh, and that needs to carry on this week. More so that they need to start hard and fast. So the thing that um, the other the other um, aspect of that game that, and I'll call it out. I'll call it. I wasn't going to, but I'll call it out. There was a lot of, um, shall we say, uh, uneducated, uninformed um, commentary in and around young Tyron Wishart, who came through and deputised for um, the injured Jerome Hughes at halfback. Now, Wishart, he'd even say by his own own ambition that he's not a halfback. Um, but when you are a utility player like he does and he's got certain traits and strengths to his game, um, notably he's a ball runner first and foremost, when he was coming through um, in the St. George Illawarra Dragons, Illawarra Steelers junior rep sort of pathways and systems, he was coming through primarily as a hooker he did play a little bit of six as well. Uh, and for those of you that know your positional um, sort of job descriptions very well, is that a six primarily is a ball runner. So they don't organise. They're not game managers. They just run. They just run the run the ball, run the ball. That's, that's their strength. Um, and the modern day six and one virtually play a very, very similar role um, in terms of just being complete ball runners uh, with a bit of ball playing and um, um, capacity to to play make it out um, out the back to their outside men usually the the edge back row the center etc so um, they would have done um, well I should say wish he would have done a lot of reps um, in the preseason as a utility playing Six, seven, and nine. So a little bit of edge on the right, edge on the left, because you've got to have contingencies, right? So in in your list of thirty, you're going to have your primary six and seven, which is Munster and Hughes, and then there's your depth chart players. So underneath them, if Munster and Hughes weren't available. Jaden Nicarima wasn't available and Jonah Peasant wasn't available. Who you got next? Well, you got Tyron Wishart. So Wishart would have been doing a lot of the reps through the preseason anyway, going back and playing in the, the Q Cup, the Host Plus Cup for the Falcons as well. Um, I think he played a little bit at six, but primarily, again, hooker. But, again, that, that knowledge base, the amount of reps, um, they would have simplified his job as well. Primarily, Hughesy is just a right dominant half. That's just the structure and the style of play that the Storm play with. So <clears throat> the the Storm halves aren't traditional halves. So the 6 and 7 and the 7 and 6 
they don't usually link. So Munster primarily plays left. Husey plays right. So straight away, that simplifies Wishart's role coming in and, and, and taking over where Husey would have been. So primarily, he's not on. He's not an on the ball half, meaning that he's playing on both sides of the ruck. So he primarily, if the ball was coming right, that's the only time that he would really touch it. And then, and we saw that the other night. And the good thing is that he didn't go away from what comes natural to him. So his first mentality as a half was to run. Second, second thought process: run. Third process: run. And that's what he did. And he scored that great slashing try, throwing the dummy. Virtually um, every single Roosters player fell for it. Um, and that, I suppose that's, that's the other thing too. Because he, because he hasn't played a lot of half um, in first grade, there isn't a lot of video and tape on him too. So it, was, it would have been, it probably would have come through surprise to the Roosters because there wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been on the tip sheet. Saying, watch Wishart run, watch his dummy, watch this, watch that, etc. But yeah, he he um he copped a lot of criticism online from keyboard warriors and supposed experts um, slamming him before a game before he'd even taken the field. And for him to come out and produce that performance, I just thought it was absolutely fantastic and really really happy for the kids. So he's a very good footballer. He comes from good. Good family, good genetics, good genes. Uh, his, fa- his father, Rob Wishart, uh, Illawarra Steelers, great. Um, played in the 1999 grand final for St. George Illawarra. Uh, their first year as a joint venture, actually, against the Melbourne Storm, um, which, unfortunately, the Storm denied him of a of an elusive premiership. But, no, very, very happy for, for Tyron Wishart. So I just wanted to put that out there. But, um, alas, um, people are always going to have... Pot shots and throw criticism, um, but you know, you take them with a grain of salt um, and virtually ignore them because um, the same people that are making those those comments have never laced on a boot and taken a first grade football field in their life. So uh, less said about that, the better. But not to worry. Onwards and upwards, and on to the prelim final. <laughs> Well, Teamless Tuesday, Jerome Hughes has been named in Melbourne Storm's run on side to take on the Panthers this Friday night's prelim clash at Acor Stadium, Sydney Olympic Park. After missing last week's semi-final over the Roosters, Hughes will rejoin the squad at halfback with Tyron Wishart to make his impact off the bench. The starting lineup remains otherwise unchanged with Tom Eisenhuth, Nelson Asofa, Solomona and Tarek Sims rounding out the interchange bench. So let's have a look at how the Storm line up. So Nick Meany will be at fullback. Will Warbrick and Remus Smith are on the wings. So no Xavier Coates. Remus Smith will then take his place on the left edge outside Justin Ollum again. So Marion Seve, right centre, Justin Ollum, left centre. Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes in the halves. Tui Kamekamitha. Christian Welsh uh, up front with Harry Grant at hooker. Trent Liero, Elisa Katoa are in the second row with Josh King locking the scrum. Now, the interchange bench. 
Tyron Wishart in jersey 14, Tom Eisenhuth in 15, Nelson Asafa-Solomona 16, and Tarek Sims in 17, rounding out the 17 at this stage. Now, the reserves. Grant Anderson, Bronson Garlic, Suofayalongo, Tepo Moroa, and Chris Lewis. My initial thoughts is that the only potential change I could see um, happen is that I don't think I don't think Eisenhuth, Sims, and Asafa Solomona will make way for anyone in that in that extended reserves list. However, I think Tyron Wishart potentially could for Bronson Garlic. Garlic played last week virtually 20, 25 minutes and then was off. Uh, and that was his role. His role was to to absorb the, the heat, um, the fire, the brimstone, and then, then allowed Harry Grant to come on when that sort of the sting had been taken out of the game. Now, do the storm go down that track again? I'm not sure. It's horses for courses. Um, what works one week may not necessarily work the next uh, and that really comes down to who you're up against, who your opposition is. So um, my personal opinion is I think Harry Grant is so influential in and around the ruck that he needs to be playing 80 minutes. So I'd be inclined to start him. Um, and if that's the case, then potentially Wishart does remain. Uh, however, if they do opt... Um, again, to go down the path of bringing Harry Grant on um, after the first, say, quarter of the game, then I think that opens up the opportunity for Garlic again, who is a noted uh, defender. He's a very, very good defender, ties in very well in the middle third. Um, And if that's the case, then that potentially could be the only... um, change I could see to to the 17 um, because no one really other no one stands out Tarek Sims is a middle Nelson is a middle uh, Tommy Eisenhuth is a middle so they're three middles but Eisenhuth can obviously play on an edge as well um, he has that versatility factor and I think that's where that sort of utility value really sort of adds. So rather than having sort of two utilities, um, would, would the Storm be better off going with a with another sort of middle third? Um, I'd like to see Tepoi Moroa there because I think he's got some really good leg speed. But uh, in saying that too, um, it's... To me, it's really about size and intimidation factor um, that needs to sort of be able to combat what the Panthers are are going to throw uh, at the Storm. And we know we know that their pack is just it's off its head. It it is amazing. Um, another, I suppose, selection um, that potentially could take place is that. Belliac decides to start Nelson. Um, again, it worked last week. Um, but then again, which I've already spoken at length at, is that if you start Nelson and take him off, then you lose that momentum through the middle third. But it's the same thing. You don't want to 
you don't want to be in a position where you're starting a game and you're chasing your tail right from the outset. So whilst Nelson is currently on the bench, it wouldn't surprise me to see Nelson start. And that may that may happen. That may happen at the expense of Christian Welsh then going back to the bench like he did last week. So if you start with two big bodies in Kamingamitha and Nelson with Harry Grant, then that's going to meet fire with fire in terms of being able to match blow for blow with James Fisher Harris and Moses Leota. Um that the Panthers are going to be. So in my mindset, if I'm in the coaching box and I'm looking at bench rotation and I'm looking at interchange, etc., knowing that the Panthers are going to start hard and fast with Leota and Fisher-Harris, I want Tui and Nelson out there because that's where the Storm need to be at. They need to be able to match that. I suppose, momentum that the Panthers are going to generate through their big bodies and their quick play the balls and their leg speed through that middle third. Um, and it's no disrespect to Christian Welsh and it's no disrespect to, to Tarek Sims, but you need, you, need to, you need to match the Panthers with size. Um, and that, that's something that the Storm really, really, I suppose, are lacking um, at the moment, because when when Big Nelson goes off, everything just turns to the proverbial, shall we say? But let's have a look at the Panthers team, and we'll have a look at uh, their dangers, their threats. That's probably one to seventeen, to be honest. They are just exceptional. Uh, Dylan Edwards is at fullback. Uh, Sonia Tuivara is on the wing with Brian To'o. Uh, Isaac Tango returns from a pec injury. Stephen Crichton, who's having one hell of a year, is uh, both in in the centres. Jerome Luai has been named returning from a shoulder uh, subluxion um, dislocation uh, four weeks ago. Nathan Cleary is at halfback. Moses Leota and James Fisher-Harris are in the front row. Mitch Kenny is at hooker. Scott Sorrenton, Liam Martin are in the second row with Isaiah Yo at lock. Now, on the interchange bench is interesting. So they've got Jack Cogger there who's been deputising for Nathan Cleary. Uh, sorry. Um, oh, yes, Nathan Cleary, but also Jerome Luai through um, week one of the finals. So he played where uh, Luai usually would at 5'8", um, which is interesting. So they've got Luke Summerton. I'll get to that. Um, Luke Summerton is a hooker, mind you, um, because they've been the way Panthers have been playing. They've been playing with Mitch Kenny and Sonny Luke as a one-two punch uh, from a hooking perspective. So Mitch Kenny, very similar to Bronson Garlic, just is a scrapper, uh, isn't crafty, just a ball distributor, but he'll he'll just tackle anything and everything. Uh, and then Luke Summerton comes on, or Sonny Luke comes on. And they've got that craftiness about them like Harry Grant does. Very deceptive, uh, quick, quickening around the ruck, can engage uh, markers, can engage A and B defenders through that sort of um, telling a story, telling a lie with the ball, um, which can really um, 
disrupt a middle third defence. Um, so, yeah, that that's an interesting one. Jack Cogger is there in 14. To me, that says – it says one of two things, that one, Luai won't play and Cogger will then um, be elevated to the halves uh, with another player from their extended reserves list coming on to the interchange bench or – Luai does play, and Cogger is only there for insurance. Um, they're, they're the two questions that I would have around that. But, uh, yeah, Cogger in the 14, Lindsay Smith, Spencer Lenu, and Luke Garner are in the 17. Now, on the reserves, Tyron Peachy is there as well. Now, Peachy's been playing in the centres, um, replacing the injured Isaac Tungle, but with Tungle back... Uh, Peachy then drops back. So, again, could Peachy being in that extended uh, list potentially mean that Tungle is not 100%? I'm not sure. Um, depends on the severity of that sort of peck injury. It's kept him out for quite a while, um, which and there wasn't a lot said about it either. So the Panthers have kept that under wraps. Um so then you've also got Matt Eisenhurst, Zach Hosking, who's played a lot uh, on the edge this year for the Panthers. Very surprised that he is actually in the extended reserves and not on the interchange bench um, at the at the expense of Luke Garner. So I thought I thought Hosking has been a bit of a re- revelation uh, for the Panthers this year. He's played back row and he's played in the centres as well. So. Yeah, very interesting. Luke Summerton, uh, who I just made mention to, is a, is a hooker. He's in jersey number 21. So if Cogger drops out, I would suspect that Luke Summerton will come onto the interchange bench and give Mitch Kenny a breather. Uh, and then Tom Jenkins, who's a, an outside back. He's a winger. So, okay. Obvious threats. Everyone knows. I've spoken about it at length. Their forward pack. Uh, Moses Leota and James Fisher-Harris, they set up the game. They really, really set up the game. And when you've got the luxury of taking those two off and being able to put someone like Spencer Lee and Lindsay Smith, who are big bodies, who have great leg speed, um, they've got the luxury of, of they don't lose any momentum. They don't lose any forward ascendancy through that sort of middle third of the field, which creates space and time for the likes of Nathan Cleary and Jerome Lawai to execute their shape. Um, and their shape is off its head. The the amount of variations that they've got on both sides of the field. So a lot of teams play very, very similar shapes. So usually you got block play for block play, um, sweep at the back with the fullback, etc. But the variation in the Panthers is that they will they will not throw the same shape at you in every sequence. There's always They've always got a trick play going. Um, and again, I just spoke about before, showing showing the ball and telling a lie with the ball. And when if you watch Cleary, right, he plays a lot of these diamond shapes. And what I mean by diamonds is that, or tri- half shapes, triangles, um, is that he, he'll always... He'll always disguise the ball, so he'll sh- he'll 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 go to um, to drop someone uh, inside of him, 
which means that the opposition defence, usually that sort of the middle third that goes out to an edge, uh, so that four-man and three-man, they lose sight of the ball. And as soon as they lose sight of the ball, straight away that puts indecision into the defender's mind. Um, And then usually he can then throw it out to the back, he can run, he can throw an overhead pass because that indecision then causes um, the defensive edge, the the two men and the and the winger to either jam in because they don't know what's coming, and if that comes up, that opens up the space for for the for the Panthers wingers to to really capitalise upon that as well. So yeah, their shape on both sides is is crazy. Probably less on on their left um, because Luai is very instinctive. Plays what he sees. I don't like using it, but eyes up football, shall we say? Doesn't play with a lot of variation in shape. He just he just runs. So again, his his strength is he's a ball runner. Um, and Cogger, well, Cogger's again very similar to like Wishart last week. So if Cogger plays as opposed to Lua not playing, Cogger's just got a very simple simple uh, job description, and that's just basically give early ball to that left edge of the Panthers. Um, and when you've got someone like Stephen Crichton and um, um, Taruva who have size, speed, um, yeah, they're, they're a handful. So it, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. But, yeah, their threats are all over the field. Then there's someone like Dylan Edwards at the back who's just, he does not stop. He is an absolute machine. The, the 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 motor and the fitness that he possesses is just insane. He's effort on effort on effort on effort through eighty minutes of football. Absolutely, um, I'm a very big admirer of Dylan Edwards. Um, great player, uh, and he's so crucial, so crucial to this Panthers team. Now he's not your your uh, your Reese Walsh type fullbacks. Uh, he's very similar to our Nick Meany. Um, where they're not they're not brilliant ball players out the back of shape. They don't have a lot of acceleration, but you know what you get. You know what you get, and they're just safe. They're safe, they're solid, um, and they just play their role so well. They play their role so well, um, and he's he's all he's just always pushing up. So he pushes up on both sides of the field as well as through the middle third. So when that fatigue factor starts to set in during a game, because of his level of fitness and his motor, he will just basically push up, get an offload, and he's he's gone. And that that, that creates so much chaos in the defensive line for the opposition. So that's something that, again, the Storm are really going to have to be on high alert for. Um, Isaac Tungo, well... I think everyone knows who Isaac Tungo is. Um, virtually, he was unstoppable in Melbourne um, that night um, when the Storm were up fourteen nil. And that second half, Isaac Tungo just got the ball and just no one could tackle him. It was insane. He's such a deceptively strong uh, outside back. Started his career as a second rower, and he's actually gone to the centres, which is usually the other way around. A lot of players start in the centres and then they end up going into the back row. But, yeah, he, he's he's done the opposite. But very, very good player. Um, defensively, as we know, I, th- I think it's the over, over the over the season, over the 2023 season, 
the Panthers, on average, are conceding 12.4 points a game. So that just got and they're number one. They're the number one defensive team in the competition. Um, defense wins premierships, right? So we know, we know that they they can just gobble you up uh, if you're throwing the standard shape at them. And there's been a lot of commentary throughout the week that in order to to beat the Panthers, you need to be different. You need to come with something. Um, Unorthodox, unconventional, something that's going to challenge them that they're not going to see coming, and that's that's potentially it. And that, to me, that comes down to Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes and Harry Grant. So the six, seven, and nine for the Storm. We know that they're ball runners. We know that they'll play what they see, uh, and that's potentially it. That's where the game has to be won for the Storm. On the back, on the back of being able to to match the middle third momentum of Leota and Fisher-Harris. So all the Storm forwards, their middles, so Kami Kamitha, Christian Wells, Josh King, Eisenhuth, Sims and Nelson, they all need to look in the mirror, look how big and ugly they are and realise that they need to go out there and they need they need to put their impact on the game. They need to put their imprint on the game and say, hey, you know, we can be as tough, we can be as aggressive, we can be as ferocious as you guys are. Because that's what they are. Fisher-Harris and Moses Leota, they are just animals. And they, they will just bash you into submission. Um, so if the Storm can meet fire with fire, especially in that first sort of 20, 25 minutes of the game, if they can get into the game and be, and be with the Panthers, um, they're not going to win the arm wrestle. They're not going to win the arm wrestle, right? Defensively, the... Um, the Panthers are too strong and too smart for that. So they're not going to win the arm wrestle. But the one thing is that if they can match them early and get some momentum going, then that will bring in the likes of Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes and Harry Grant to run. Because as we know, and I've spoken about it previously, the Storm are at their very, very best when they've got momentum and the 6, 7 and 9 can just run the football run the football because then that puts the Panthers on the back foot with a retreating defence. And if you can open up the field, then Munster and Hughes will play a lot more direct and that's where the Storm are uh, are more potent. When they're playing lateral because they haven't got space, they're crabbing across field, the Panthers, they're just going to laugh. So they'll be loving that. So again, it really comes down to starting hard and fast, being aggressive um, and again, that's why I think Nelson will start with Tui because the Storm need the Storm need to be able to match that momentum in order to get themselves into the game. And if that happens, well, game on, game on. Now, Christian Welsh was asked about. Um, his thoughts on this week's game. Here's what Welshie had to say in his media press conference during the week. In the recent finals history in big games, do you feel like you know this Penrith team pretty well now? Oh, yeah, look, we've we've taken them on in plenty of games and obviously the 2020 grand final and then 21, the prelim, and, um, yeah, we've had some good battles. and um, But, yeah, they've, they've gotten, over, gotten it over us uh, recently. So, uh, yeah, really excited as a group to really um, step up to that challenge. 
there a mutual respect there, given you guys have been sort of competing at the top in the ladder for yeah, no, I've got a lot of respect for them as a club and, um, you know, it's it's not easy to stay at the top for how long they've stayed up. You know, you look at the talent they've lost each year and something similar at the club, Storm, we always lose kind of three or four guys um, and, yeah, the, the way that Penrith have been able to keep developing young, talented players and to come in and play a role and that system they're in, they're so well coached and, and drilled that, um, yeah, it's a pretty impressive machine that... Penrith have got going at the moment, so um, yeah, a lot of respect, but uh, we'll be doing our best to, to ruin the party on Friday. How's Jerome tracking after he missed Friday night? Yeah, he's good. I think he um, ran yesterday. He was out in the field. Um, it's funny, though, if, if it's a forward who's injured, we're in here getting flogged on the bikes and rowers, but he gets to just swan around at training and watch, watch the boys. Um, but yeah, no, I think he's looking really good, really positive, um, so... I think we're hoping he, he'll train potentially tomorrow and, and be available for Friday and then obviously wish he had a binder uh, on the weekend. So uh, really confident, I suppose, in our options. Yeah. Christian Walsh there. Um, yeah, the, the Panthers have won, what, five of the last seven against the Storm. Um, so it doesn't make for, for good reading. Um, and I suppose you've got to go back to the 2021 prelim final um, where what they won... 10-4 uh, over the storm. Um, very, very disappointing game there. It was an op- a missed opportunity, but I'm sure that'll be burning in the background uh, with the, all those players that played in that because it was a missed opportunity. But, look, I think well, she's he's been very diplomatic, but I, I also think he's being very sincere as well that um, he understands the task at hand, that they are a good team, they are the benchmark, uh, it is going to be a great challenge, and this is this is something that this is something that players they should be up for coming up against the best. That's if that's if you can't get motivated for that, then seriously, what are you doing? But um, let's hope let's hope well she has one of uh, 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 one of his better games. Um, he's obviously still. Oh, he's 100%. I'm not going to say he's injured, but what I'm saying is that coming off a, a snapped Achilles tendon, it takes time. It takes time to get that confidence, that that level of, I suppose, confidence in your body, in your game. Um, and you go through a major sort of injury like that, the, that that's it becomes both physically uh, as as well as mentally taxing. So, but I thought, I thought Welsh off the bench last week probably had his... Best game of the year, um, and yeah, so that's that's the enormity of the task of the middle forwards. And again, I just keep talking about it. If, if the Storm are any chance, it's got to be come through the middle third. Now, Cooper Cronk was on NRL three hundred and sixty on Monday night, and Brayton Astor and Gordon Tallis asked him um, where he believes the Storm potentially could win. Let's see what Cooper Cronk had to say. They got out of jail, no doubt about that, the Melbourne Storm. We mentioned earlier, they'll need to be better this week if there's any chance of beating Penrith. They haven't been at their best. There's there's no doubt about that. Where are they getting it wrong or where can they improve on where they are right now? Well, I think I believe in Grant, Munster and Hughes. I think those three can beat any team on any given day, right? But the thing that needs to improve for the Melbourne Storm is their forward pack. Outside of Nelson, 
you know, Nelson's the one guy that can bend the line and cause carnage. So I think it's a game of life for Tui Kamakathika. I think uh, Christian Welsh, King and Locke, mm. they need to play the game of their lives. If they can go toe-to-toe with Leota and Fish Harrison, mm. yo, then I think you give the, the spine of Melbourne Storm an absolute chance. So huge game for, for Welsh and his crew outside of Nelson. You just mentioned Harry Grant. he come off the bench. You think that's the right ploy and will they do it again? Um, he's so good off the bench, Gordon. Yeah. Like, he just comes on and changes momentum in his team's favour. Um, I think if I'm Craig Bellamy, I think he's the point of difference in this game, Harry Grant. And if I'm Craig Bellamy, I'm going, Harry, you can be the difference. Can you win us the game starting or off the bench? And I'd leave it up to Harry. I'd... There you go. Very similar to what uh, I've been banging on about for 40 minutes. Um, it's, it's really it's going to come down to the forward pack. So, again, Welsh, Kamikamitha, uh, Eisenhuth and Tarek Sims, Josh King, the middles really need to follow Nelson. They need to support Nelson as much as possible. So when Nelson gets that first first prop carry and he skittles blokes and he makes 15 metres and gets that quick play the ball, that's when you need your, your, your twoies, you need your Welsh, you need your Sims coming off the line and following. Keep that momentum, keep that ascendancy going through that middle third. That is going to be so important. And when you get Harry Grant on the back of quick play the balls, well, that's just, it's it's going to create havoc for the Panthers. That's what I want to see happen. That's what we need to see happen if the Storm are to get over the Panther juggernaut and proceed to a grand final. <laughs> Bit of storm news. Congratulations to the Brisbane Easts Tigers. Taken. Hamilton is with it. He's going to kick. One play. Ball is fielded by Jennings. The crowd is over. The Tigers have done it. The Tigers have ended a run of nine straight grand final defeats. As Andrew Voss, Fox League commentator, just said then, that was their ninth occasion. Yeah, well, they were, they were staring down the barrel of losing a potential ninth grand final in a row, having last won a premiership in 1991. So 32 years, long time between drinks for the Brisbane East Tigers. Congratulations to uh, the Melbourne Storm Feeder Club. We had a lot of boys playing in that, um, obviously, throughout the year. Cole Geyer, um, the hooker, son of Matt. Uh, and then you had the likes of, um, uh, I'm just trying to think, my, my memory escapes me. George Jennings was obviously there as well. Um, Alec McDonald featured heavily throughout the year as well. Um, some really, really good performances. Um, and then you think the likes of... Um, Coming up against the the Burley Bears, who are the feeder team to the Gold Coast Titans, uh, they had a lot of NRL experience as well. So, um, really, really good performance. Um, and again, a lot of those players. I suppose you also look at um, the Storm having to uh, recall Remus Smith, who played uh, a handful of games to the East Tigers and, and and helped them as well. So, a great result. Uh, it's great to see that both feeder clubs 
both feeder teams um, in the Sunshine Coast Falcons uh, and the Brisbane East Tigers uh, featured heavily in the Host Plus Cup finals, which goes and speaks to the depth that is coming through, that is currently there now, but is also continuing to develop, learn uh, and gain that valuable experience of playing a high-caliber senior level of uh, rugby league, which is so important, um, knowing that they, if and necessary, need to be called upon, can step up and play uh, first grade in the NRL for the Melbourne Storm. So congratulations to the Brisbane East Tigers on breaking a 32-year drought. Uh, listener questions. Now, we had one from uh, Jen Finnegan. Uh, she asks, uh, how do you think we'll go next year, considering our consistent, uh, inconsistent performances? Uh, we have done extremely well to get this far. I completely agree, Jen. Um, I think the inconsistency speaks to the lack of, shall we say, uh, current experience in this um, in this NRL list. Now, if you look at someone like um, Trent Liero, who's really only in his second full season, uh, Elisa Tolls in his, uh, well, he's in his third season, but he wasn't playing much football over at the Warriors. Um, you look at Tyron Wishart, who's still cutting his teeth, um, then you've got the likes of, you know, your Bronson Garlic. Whilst he's played a lot of low-grade football, he's still relatively uh, wet behind the ears. We obviously know we've got Suofei Longo coming through. What I'm trying to say is that the average age of this Melbourne Storm team compared to other Storm teams of, of the past is that they're a lot younger. And you, you only, you, your inconsistency sort of diminishes when your your youth starts to be able to string more um, consistency in terms of games together. So when players come, when players start to, shall I say, get to that 50, 100, 150 game mark, which usually coincides with, what, four or five seasons, that's where... That's where the benefit is. So when there is a lot of youth um, within within the current list, um, I think that's where the inconsistency is coming from. But again, the experience that these guys, like your Alec McDonald's, your Trent Lieros, your Bronson Garlics, your Tyron Wisharts, your Grant Andersons, uh, your Joey Chans, what these guys are basically going to to gain from this season, they'll be able to take into a preseason and come in better and more rounded for 2024. So I do think there is going to be a greater level of consistency. I'm not going to say it's just going to be, it's going to change automatically, but it's an area that I think you'll start to see more consistent uh, performance as opposed to this season. Now, to finish with 16 wins um, and finish third is still a remarkable effort. Still a remarkable effort to what they achieved this year. 
um, as was the closeness of the competition as well. Now, let's let's be honest. So you've got an additional franchise that comes in that builds a list of 30. Then you've got salary cap pressures as well. So there becomes a thinning out of talent straight away, which means that the the you, you don't have uh, a 17th franchise come in, then the Storm uh, potentially still have the Bromwich brothers and Felice Confusi. That's that that could have been it, which means that whilst they were losing yard of speed and uh, pace with the game, is that that experience there would have ensured them um, that they wouldn't be in the situation with the inconsistent, well, more of an inconsistent approach, um, as opposed to what we saw this year. But there was some fleeting moments, um, really, really good uh, performances, team performances, individual performances, and that'll carry on. So, as I said, uh, to answer your question, um, I do agree. I think the Storm have done extremely well to get this far this year, and I think the experience that these young guys have that have earned through having to play um, primarily at the start of the year too. I mean, you got to remember the first the first two rounds of the competition. The Storm were without 11 starting players from their original 17. So, and then there was injuries that went deeper into the squad as well. So there was even guys that weren't even playing uh, reserve grade or Queensland Cup. So I completely agree. I suppose the other aspect to that too is that ideally, I think the Storm need another big body. And that that's going to be again, that's going to be a, a discussion point for another podcast. But Nelson needs help. You know, Asafa Solomona needs help up front because at the moment he's not getting it, and they they need to find another big body or another two. I know they've just signed uh, two of the academy players um, that are middle forwards, um, and. But I mean, you're talking about nineteen and twenty year olds. The storm need like they're 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 two or three years away from even playing first grade consistently. So I don't know. I I don't know if there's out, much out there on the market, but they need something. They need something. I I I, I personally wish they were in the market for um, Spencer Linu. They did try and sign him. Uh, back in 2020 when he was at the Panthers, um, but he turned them down to recommit to Penrith, but has since, as we know now, he's on his way to the Roosters. So, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one. But, yes, I I think the I think we'll see much more of a great, uh, consistent approach to the Storm in, uh, in 2024. And I think, again, that, that just comes down to players playing more more NRL football and having notching up more games because that's that's the only way to learn. The only way to learn is by notching those numbers up and getting more games under your belt um, and being able to to I suppose go and understand and, and know what it takes to be in the week to week grind of, of what is the NRL. Thank you very much for your question, Jen. <laughs> And 
thank you for a few people that reached out. I know there's been some technical issues over the past fortnight uh, with the podcast, but uh, hopefully this is sounding a lot better. It's definitely sounding a lot better from my end. But, um, yeah, thank you for for letting me know. And, um, yeah, hopefully it's been rectified. But, uh, look, that's it. That's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Really, really appreciate it as always. Um, The nerves are starting to kick in now, 48 hours. I've got my tickets for, for Friday night. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be tough, but as they say, where there's life, there's hope. Um, my gut thoughts and feelings, well, I've already conveyed that in terms of how I believe the Storm can win. They really need to get on the back of Nelson. Uh, the forwards need to aim up. Um, I hope they start with Nelson and Tui and Harry Grant and they can just match fire with fire in that first 20, 25 minutes because that's, to be honest... I think that's where the game can be won or lost in that first twenty, that first quarter of the game. The Storm need to they need to get on the front foot. And look, the Storm have already showed this year they've scored they've scored and led early against the Panthers. So again, that 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 needs to be the approach. I think they need to start hard. They need to start fast. They need to get points early straight away, and take every point you can, because Panthers will give you nothing. They will not beat themselves. Um, I'm going to say storm by two. Let's hope I'm right. So enjoy your rugby league this weekend. And yeah, let's uh, go storm.